0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast. I'm excited to welcome the host of the Love Is Podcast, Kim Sorrell. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest.
1: Great, thank you, Neil. And yes, Jordan Charles, you are a man who does everything. An actor, you've been acting for a long time. I think you maybe started out in one of my favorite of all time, Anna Green Gables. And from (laughs) London, Ontario, which is a stone's throw from where I am. I'm in Michigan. And... uh, and at 12 years old, you played Matthew. That's a little confusing to me, but you've been (laughs) in so many parts. You run two production companies, I believe. You're writing, you're producing, you're doing it all, and I don't know how you possibly have the energy, but welcome to the show.
2: I appreciate it, Kim. Thanks for the sentiments. Thanks also for both of you for your passion as well. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people do it all. Both of you, I'm sure, are doing a lot to keep this thing afloat as well, so Kudos, I think, to everyone that is expressing their creativity.
1: It's yes. Creativity yeah. is the
0: way to go. No doubt. Go ahead, Kim, with your first question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. So one thing that I really admire about you, Jordan, is that you don't seem to be afraid to take on any, any topic. And some topics seem to be pretty close to your heart. Like you're such an advocate for diversity and inclusion and and uh, and where do, how, can you tell me where does that come from and how does that play into your life
2: yeah I appreciate it and th- thanks for being interested in topics like that you know we, we hear dei and diversity and inclusion so often now and I think it's great like where society and community is progressing but you know I came from immigrant parents so my parents were both born in Italy after World War II and uh they didn't have a lot of means back then I mean their villages were bombed kingdom come and I think that's a a shared history that I think a lot of people in North America especially have when a lot of immigration happened here. It's funny, now we call it migration, before we used to call it immigration, and a lot of people have a lot of polarizing views on these things. But distance and separation were big parts of my life in terms of our family history and heritage. So the way that I grew up, I mean, it was a lot of multicultural community uh involvement where my neighbors you know you could line up five neighbors on each side and you've got polish and italian and indian and greek and pakistani that that was just my normal on a daily or weekly monthly basis growing up so i think a diverse world i don't even know what that is if you don't even live in one and i think it's very very important now the arts are really kind of grasping onto this concept that we need to tell stories and become part of creative filmmaking and even literature and all types of other cultural phenomenons where uh, you want to represent the world that you live in. And that's always been very important to me. I think that, you know, viewership is supposed to reflect uh, the things that we're looking at or the things that we represent. And if we can be part of that, I think it allows a lot of barriers and walls to break
0: down to make make sure people recognize that we're all part of the same community. Hmm. And that's why you became a filmmaker because you can make a difference by telling, by coming, having your voice come out to reach more people than you can one on one. I agree, Neil. I'm sure both of you represent,
2: you know, a, a lot of these purposes in your own pursuits as well. It's just important that we all have to act together in concert. I think to herald these sentiments, you know, like we politically, religiously, spiritually, there's a lot of different things in the world right now that are causing a lot of conflict and challenge. It's probably always been like that. But I think as artists or people in the media or in the public eye that, you know, you folks are trying to herald as well, we have to get behind things that we stand for and represent because I think it's going to really promote the type of world that we all end up living in. So a great job what you guys are doing as well to herald different stories and different creatives as well.
1: Yeah, well, I I think it's great that that is your attitude. And and it would be hard for that to be not your attitude in the neighborhood that you grew up in. So it's great. There's a lot of people that don't grow up in diversity and uh, for whatever reason, have an issue with it, and which I think is is silly, or have an issue with with um, immigrants or migrants coming over. And And I'll tell you, I've been to places in the world that if I were a mama living in that place, I'd do everything I could to get out and come over. And I think that's something people don't understand.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, Kim. Like you're touching on things that are, there's so many sensitive topics, right? I mean, there's war and conflict everywhere all the time. Like, but not only that, you know, people will surprise you just because someone doesn't look the same or does you feel like they don't act the same or culturally they're disparate to you or whatever. You'll be surprised that when you're working in a collaboration, like for, for this, the short film Brothers in Arms that I'm sure we'll talk about today, But I think this is important even as a tangent. You know, I hired about 135 people on this short film that we're trying to use as a proof of concept. But the people that we hired, I made sure to allow people to grow into positions like we had women, minorities. We had people that were English second language that were they were assuming positions even on our film crew or film set, even within the casting process that you wouldn't think like you're like okay this person may have disadvantages because they don't speak the same language or maybe they they're they're not seeing things the same way because they don't have they don't share the same educational experience but they rallied to the cause and in some cases they elevated the project in ways that were unforeseen you would never know that unless you actually invite that type of sentiment oh. uh, onto your film set and i think that's really important like we shouldn't you know, judge books by their cover, as they say, or look at a person based on the fact that they're different. So that means that they can't execute the same way. I think that just creates a whole different mess. And that leads to a lot of judgment and things like that, which we don't need.
0: We totally don't need that mess uh, for sure. And when you think about creating this, this short, what was the motivation behind it? You know, (laughs) it's probably multi-pronged. I mean,
2: I'm trying to follow a path kind of like what Sylvester Stallone did or Matt Damon or Ben Affleck, where you would try to advance your acting using your original story material. I, I really respect those individuals as peers. And there's others in the entertainment industry that have done this as well. And even in television, I think it's really the the desire to share your voice. Like I know the stories when I grew up in terms of even immigrant households and what they went through. And this story here in Brothers in Arms is all about distance and separation. And I wanted to take these themes and even the division of my own family, grandfathers going off to war, becoming prisoners of war in different countries, and then being separated by family. So I tried to take this motif and herald the story of two brothers that they get separated due to a tragic childhood accident, and they both lead disparate lives. One kind of gets raised on the straight and narrow. The other one gets taken in by their father, who's involved in organized crime, and he leads a life of immorality. And the film picks up 25 years later, and these two men are in a collision course to collide. And the meaning, the film explores the meaning of family and the effect of distance and can family be redeemed after all these things, despite all this separation. These are themes that I think are important to me. They've always been a part of my upbringing. So I think that's where that comes from, Neil.
1: Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And the short did excellent and you were nominated for an award. The the short was nominated for things like it, 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 did it, did it do as well as you hoped that it would do?
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Kim, right? Like, I mean, look, we all go to work day to day and we're all striving in our pursuits. I don't know how both of you measure success. We're all different that way. Right. I, I think awards, acknowledgements, honors, that, that's really nice. I mean, that could help, you know, expose your art or raise awareness for the things that you're working on. I, I personally don't do things like that for professional purposes, but if they come, they're only going to help. And that's great. Frankly, I think things like that are a testament to the hard work of all the crew and cast that put so much of their passion into this. But I know, I, I would say I didn't expect that. Um Really, we didn't make it for film festivals and things like that. We decided to make that as part of our overarching strategy to try to get the feature film picked up, which is what our common goal is. But yeah, I, I think some of it was a surprise. I'm glad it reached people in a certain way where they felt that way about it. I think that's really what you do it for.
0: So you talk about getting it as a feature film. That's the next step, right? And with the strike, that kind of put a monkey wrench in everything. Now the process for people listening, what all goes into to become a feature film? Because you produced it. You need to raise funds for it or do you want it to go or sell it? What is your hope on that? Yeah, great great question. I mean and every project is different, but I mean even for those
2: listening, anyone that's a filmmaker I think understands every film is like a dream or like a it's a miracle when it gets made because if you see how many times it goes through a process where, it, you know, it falls apart, we started off where I wrote the feature film screenplay and I wanted it to stand alongside seminal films that I really admire like Scorsese's The Departed or Michael Mann's Heat. These are filmmakers that I love that I really hope to work amongst one day even as an actor. But I decided, I kind of studied like, what was it about those films that really kind of rose sentiment or passion out of me? And then I decided to kind of gear a type of story world around this gritty, visceral type crime saga involving these two men and all the different supporting characters that have all these interweaving lives. And after we, I, I wrote the, sh- the actual screenplay, I decided, okay, when I started pitching it, maybe about three, four years ago, a lot of people that are clout in the production and development field told me, Jordan, they're like, if you want to end up acting in this because it's your own original material, like Damon Affleck and people like that, you should might, you might want to consider creating a short concept where create a short film, maybe 20 to 40 minutes, give them a sense of the tonality of this, the themes, what you want to explore, what's it going to look like. So we are very purposeful. I really like Alexa cameras and their sensor and anamorphic lenses and the texture of that type of filmmaking. So I ended up mustering uh, some investment funds from a wonderful investor. They helped us with the camera equipment and a few things on the production budget side. We shot the short film. I ended up settling on a 40-minute film, which is a very long short film. But I wanted to also show in that extra length that it could be seen as an extended feature film. So after it was done at 40 minutes, now we're using it as a proof of concept to go back to a lot of these production companies And expand it even internationally to people that are making films and developing them to say, we want to make this and see it realized in its intended manner as a feature and then help partner with us to gain the financing to do that right now. So we premiered it at American Film Market in L.A. in, in October, November. Now we're going to be at European Film Market in February. And now we're really launching a huge push to rally a lot of, you know, people in the production community that have passion to make films of this type.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's such an important film it needs to get out there the the story and I, I can tell that that's your passion is is the story not the the money or the fame or the anything else it seems to be uh if I'm getting it right that the story is a big thing for you
2: yeah it is like you know every project you want to give it the life that hopefully it can gain like in terms of you make things and then you give it to the world and then you let them see how they feel about it and then you they people emote and then they that causes them to want to learn more on subjects. Maybe people want to learn about immigration or they want to get a sense of like what people go through when they get raised or grown up differently. You don't know what it's going to rise up in people after the viewing experience, but for me, first and foremost, I, I'm an actor. I'm a film and television actor. I, that's been in my blood since I was a little kid on stage. I do a lot of my production and I guess, creative energies devoted to really advancing my acting in the industry. And, but I do have a writer in me, so I've written four feature length screenplays and I would love to be part of producing and acting in them, but you've got to rally around a lot of sentiment around your projects because it does ah. take a village, right?
0: And so Jordan, you're, what I'm hearing from you is that you full-fledged production company for a movie is not what you have. You don't have those. You have everything that you could do a full production yourself, and then just get film r- fundraising. So I, the question kind of seems like you don't know exactly how this is going to get made, but it's going to get made. You want to be the actor in it, or that's Absolutely. or no deal? Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: So th- the game plan. This was always meant to be an acting vehicle for me. Like I feel like I need to express myself that way to get it out. Like the Nick Destino character, the police brother. That is me. Like when you write, a lot of yourself goes into your characters and the iteration of them. But in terms of what you're what you were saying in the second part, I don't know how it's going to get made. You're right, Neil. You're hitting it on the head. Like right now, we're going to go to casting. And there's some major names that we have in mind to portray some of these characters. We're also going out in the production company side to try to allow people to view the film and then have a producer because we did end it on a cliffhanger to say, I love this I want to get in this with you to get behind it. Let's get the capital. Let's get the finance and get this thing made to have
0: it realized in the way that it's supposed to be shown. And Kim, just to kind of learn what I've learned about in the film industry as I'm, my documentary is going to come alive. Uh, We're working on that process of my comeback into professional wrestling after being away from 25 years, jumping back in the ring at 51. And I have a production company in Canada that's working on, raising funds for that. That's only a week or two weeks into the process, but I've had the creative end. And I also have another client uh, who I'm helping out. That is a former uh, professional NFL athlete that dealt drugs, uh, had like almost like a drug cartel while he was playing in the NFL. The stories never come out. He's looking to sell it. So there's all these different projects going on. So I'm learning this game and I'm like, okay, but the bottom line Kim, is he has to get the right people to play parts. Then, if they get, he gets the right A-list or B-list actors, then he'll get the certain funds from the financiers of the movies because a certain guaranteed person to play one of those parts will guarantee a certain amount of money so their investor knows they're going to get the money back. Am I right about that? Am I hitting that pretty much? Yeah, and, and Kim, I, not
2: to steal your thunder as well, I'm sure you might have a response, but yeah, Neil, that was excellent. And by the way, congrats even on you mustering the energy that you're go, you've got going on your project because... You know, no one knows what you're going through other than you because it's just every project is, I call it beautiful pain because you just, it's something that you need to get out and express, but it's all these steps that are unseen that people don't see. What most people recognize, it's so funny, you get a subscription to a streamer network and then you see the thumb tiles of the poster of the film or the TV show and you're like I want to watch that one or I don't want to watch that one each thumb tile is like 5 to 8 years of someone's life and it just mm-hmm. right that's so i don't mind because it.
0: i've taken a quantum leap in 2024 in many many different ways because i was tired of just settling And that's not how I'm operating anymore in 2024. And But you got to have that creative juices and energy. Kim, that's That's why I was kind of just educating you is that's why he doesn't know. It's because he has to find the right people to play certain parts, the right people so that he gets the financing, so he gets it sold. And it's all about syndication afterwards. Whoever's going to distribute it is where the money comes for the back to the investors and whatever's left over for the other people that did not finance it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Is it, is it a little bit of a um, chicken and egg kind of a thing?
2: It is like that. I think a lot of things, you know, it's it's art, right? But this is the business side. Like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your worlds are like this. I mean, Neil's going to have to traverse to the same path to get that, that story made. And it's we're going through the same thing because you don't know. It's like you're alluding to. Do you go after the casting first and then you have a performer, an established actor that says, I love this. I'm going to get behind it and then use my network to champion it, to advocate it forward. Sometimes it's a producer, someone at a studio that, you know, they sometimes they get two to 400 projects every day in some cases, yeah. if something is close to Sundance or con or Venice. So you have to build relationships and then get the project in front of someone, have it looked at, Have it assessed and then have the decision maker say, do you know what? Like this is something that we need to make. I think it's going to, you know, affect people to a certain level. It has commercial viability. It's all the things, right? Because people need return on investment. That's what makes the industry go around. We recognize that. But in a post-strike environment as well, it makes it all that much more challenging. because We're trying to revert back to a new normal, right? So Mm -hmm. everything's going to be rife with challenges, but yeah, you don't know what's going to come first. It might be casting, might be a producer, it might be the money. It could be
0: anything. So the post strike is, I thought it would be better because there's not lot, lot of stuff got stopped. So they need to make, we got Netflix needs content like crazy now. The streaming networks need money, content like crazy. There's no content out there thanks to that strike for seven, eight months. It's amazing how that can change things that you're watching things from 2014. I know streaming networks can't make you as much money as going in the theaters with an independent film or different things as we see the Christian base, how they're killing it with independent films. First question, independent films, is this a good thing for the industry? And as a whole, as an independent filmmaker, you're gonna say yes, but why is it a good thing? And why is it a good thing for an investor uh, to try to compete with the big five, six major uh, houses for movies. Well, if you
2: look at, I mean, this is just my view. And I mean, I I don't want to alienate what people are making. I I think, you know, every project is hard, but I would say the studios, if you look, they're tremendously creative people that run these large corporations, right? And a lot of them now, if you look at even their share composition, they're run by a lot of media and entertainment companies, right? The capital, like the overlying company that is running the subsidiary in some cases, they may be attached to even larger brands. I mean, Apple's got their own studio, but they're not a company that exists just for entertainment, but they're doing wonderful work in entertainment. They, they also sell products and amazing technology and innovation. Amazon is a distribution company and a consumer goods company. They also now have a department that is devoted to filmmaking. So when you look at the studios, I think their bottom lines and what they're driven by they have unique challenges and the projects that they get behind, I think are very deliberate and purposeful, but the people that are running the departments that do run their, the entertainment side, they're wonderful, passionate people as well. They want to get behind things that are meaningful to them on the independent side, Neil, I would say. You're typically looking at more grassroots projects, right? It's going to be a lot more homegrown stories, maybe a lot of, a lot more character emphasis. There aren't as many ten pole type films that or maybe related to established properties that are based in like literary works, like something like Harry Potter would be unlikely to come through the independent film space. You'd have to go to a studio to make that. So I, I think the, the strikes I think helped champion the fact that writers, actors, directors, I mean, you have three guilds that are striking at one time. And this, this year, I think probably IATSE, depending on the way things go, that's a lot of the crew that work on sets. I think it's heralding the fact that there's a lot of people that go into a production and for anything to get made, it requires so much collaboration, especially on the independent film circuit for you to get something off the ground. It takes such a mission and so many people pushing that project forward. I think the strikes were good to, I think, emphasize that fact on the studio side. I think they really have to really crunch and look at the numbers that make sense to keep the the monolith of what that is to keep going. Because they employ so many people. I think the challenge is that the frame is so different in both those.
1: Yeah, that's mm. interesting. Well, I, and uh, the story is great. Uh, and I think it needs to be a feature film. It needs That needs to happen. I think a lot of people will get a lot of things out of it. But you said that that sometimes two or three hundred films are coming somebody's way. How do you separate yourself from that?
2: It's tough, Kim. You know, like you, you want to see it made so badly, right? It's like you said, like now you see you get a taste. So many people after they watch it, they're like, wow, like that's it. I just get, I'm getting into the story. Like what happens to these two men? Like I, I want to see what, what goes on. And that's just a little sample. Like if you see all the different challenges that are intertwined with all even the supporting characters that don't get explored in the short there's so much more of the story to tell to make the project I think stand out I mean getting acknowledgements I think that helps because people want to get behind things that are maybe critically received properly or I I think even the subject matter like anything that makes your heartbeat rise I think in the watching I I think that helps as well but also it's building relationships trying to get press done like we're doing now Uh, trying to alert people to the fact that the project exists. I think it's a composition and everything kind of elevates to a point where you're going to get more eyes on it. And even if, you know, our time together helps with that. So be it. We're just trying to clamor to try to get as
0: much traction as we can, wherever it comes from. All right. And that's the thing. And I'm going to have Kim ask a love question at the end, because I could see the passion and love in you. The thing I am as I'm going to help because I am now doing this and I'm reaching out to my actor friends. This is just strange. Like, I didn't expect this. And it's awesome because because of my show for 15 plus years and to, interviewing so many different people, I can get to anyone. And that's the truth, guys. So you definitely have to check me out because I can, I can reach out to anyone and get that relationship going. It's all about relationships. It's all about having that conversation and find somebody who really loves that project. So if I asked you right now, why should this short be made into a movie? Why?
2: Great question, Neil. It's going to move people. I think it will change people's understanding or feelings on disparate backgrounds. I think it's going to cause a rise out of people in the watching. I think they're going to be swept away in the story narrative when they watch it. And if you go to films because of entertainment or escape, at the end of a film, when you're like, man, that hit me, I love it. I think that when we realize this in, in its intended form as a feature film, I think people are going to move that way. And if you want to go through an experience like that, this is the kind of film you want to watch. Mm-hmm. All I right. Love Kim, your love question. Okay.
1: Yeah. Such a great answer. So Jordan, I did something sort of unique. I dedicated a year to figuring out the true meaning of love. And I had this eat, pray, love experience, mostly in Haiti. And awesome. Crazy stuff happened, but I figured out a lot of really cool things about love that that I was never taught, that I never knew, that I think people don't know. And everybody kind of has a different definition of love or a different way that they see love in their life. And so I'm curious with you, you know, passion and love can go hand in hand sometimes, right? And you're obviously very passionate about what you do, but where do you see love involved with it all?
2: Wow. I love that you're going through that experience too. Eat, Pray, Love, by the way, is one of my favorite books and films. I love the way they executed that. It makes you reflect so much. It's a wonderful, wonderful question, Kim. I I would actually say, for me, I mean, I I was raised really well. Um, Even though my parents were immigrants, they were hardworking. My dad was a welder. My mom, she was bent over a sink for like 36 years, sterilizing instruments in the operating room. I was the first person in my family to go to college my upbringing, the way it was, we grew up very Catholic. Like, I mean, it's wake up on Sunday, go to church, 30 people come over for lunch afterwards. It's family, everything. And the unconditional love that I was exposed to, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. They were married about 39 years, my mom and dad. My mom's actually visiting me. I live in Los Angeles and she comes during the winters. I got a little place here for her and stuff. And I just, I don't know what life is without the love of family i even have friends that are like family my first cousins are like they're like my brothers and sisters i think love is support it's uh how you endear yourself to other people i think it's you projecting outward i think your compassion and sympathy for the world and i i think we're all brothers and sisters to a certain degree we don't act like it sometimes But at the same time, I think that's the best way I can explain it. For me, it's deeply rooted in family and the feelings and everything that was expressed in that. That also might be somewhat of a Midwest thing. Ontarians and Michiganers, I think we're kind of the same. (laughs)
0: yeah i think you're one in the same what a great answer jordan and uh you know like i said off air i'm going to chat with you because i definitely want to help you in any way to introduce you to some people that can help you get that to level to get a film made i think that the creativity of people that when the content's not out there everyone should be looking would you sell this to netflix or amazon after it's made Yes or no? Yeah. So,
2: and Neil, I appreciate the kind words. I I don't come on shows like this to to get help. I mean, I they help with the you know the the treading that we're doing, but that's really kind of you to do that. Like, if the film just reaches people and it doesn't even go further, then I'm still very grateful. But yeah, second part of your question, yeah, we're obviously we're gonna we'll be inclusive to consider all partners. I mean, some of the the. The filmmaking that Netflix and Amazon, Apple, all the major studios that they're creating, there's some tremendous work that's coming out of there. I think sometimes they get bad publicity. They're like, oh, we're all tired of Marvel films or superhero films. That should never take away from the hard, enormous work that goes into these endeavors. So to answer your question, I would definitely, absolutely take meetings with them to consider what they would suggest for partnering.
0: Okay. Well, big time, best place people can find info. Where can they go?
2: Yeah. So you. information on the film, uh, watch brothers in That's the main website that highlights all the coming news on the film and what's happening with it and what we're trying to do with the project. Uh, for myself, my acting, they can go to actor Uh, my Instagram handle. I don't spend a lot of time on social media. My publicist Amy, who I believe set this opportunity up. She's wonderful. Amy Prenner, Shout out to her, uh, at actor Jordan,
0: Charles. Um, I'm going to have to beef up the social presence as well, but that's coming. Hey, I took a lapse in it because of all my clients, because I have an agency, and now I've started in Facebook, and I'm following the Alex Ramosi model. Once I get specifically build up the areas I'm really good at, I'm going to go ahead and hire an agency to teach me how to do it. That's what Alex Ramosi talked about. Instead of saying, let the agency do it for you, teach me how to do it and have my team do it. So that's that, that I'm if anyone wants a free trainings, go to acquisition.com. Alex, you better be listening to me at one point in time because that guy's a guru. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. That was a special sample cast. Of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is Podcast, guys. Take care.